Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of ThePaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Sarah, oh my gosh, I totally got a special present from you this week. Uh, did you try it? I did. While I was commuting this morning, I drank my veggies and I felt like you were commuting with me and you were <laughs> cheering me on and dropping nutrient density bombs. And I was like, Sarah would be so proud. It has been like my favorite, like, oh, I have to leave the house now. And I didn't, I didn't make time to eat something. Um, it's been my, like my favorite, like just throw it into like a travel mug and, and drink on the go. Um, it's been really interesting. So, uh, for, for listeners who are like, we need more details. What are we talking about? Um, collagen veggie blend is a collaborative project between myself and vital proteins. So it's a vital proteins, uh, product and, um, one serving has 20 grams of protein from collagen peptides, plus three servings of vegetables and a serving of high antioxidant fruit. And um, it's completely AIP. It has no flavorings, no sugars, no sweeteners, no stevia, no colors. Um, so it's it's just fruits and vegetables and, and collagen. And, um, and it was something that I really, you know, I felt passionate about um, when I had the opportunity to collaborate on a product. I was like, well... The, the hole that I see that needs to be filled is portable vegetables, really. But I like this idea of like having it as a like a AIP, almost like an instant smoothie. Um, but I every time I see something that is, you know, protein plus vegetables, it's packed with sugars, sweeteners, stevia, flavoring, um, it's made with whey, like I and I just haven't been able to find anything that's super clean and caters to the AIP community. So it actually releases early next week. So by the time this podcast airs, you can still get the ten percent discount for pre-ordering, um, and it's just automatically applied. So if you just go to uh, vitalproteins.com. Um, or if you really love us, go to our show notes and click through the affiliate links in our show notes because we super, super appreciate that. Um, we'll make sure clearly <laughs> it'll be highlighted in the show notes now. But um, I actually but, have a coupon code on the sidebar of my blog, that, blog that's still good for a little while as well. And I know that you were able to offer something. So not only as a benefit to our listeners, I mean, not only is it a benefit to us, but it's mutually beneficial for our listeners to get discounts. Um, totally. And, um, and so go check that out. And, um, it's been really interesting because everybody who's pre-ordered, the people who pre-ordered really early have already had their orders shipped. Um, and, uh, and it's been really like almost everybody loves it. And then there's a few people who are like, it's disgusting. I can't choke it down. And I've been very, very clear. And I think this is a good time to sort of state it's not delicious, um, but it's not meant to. Like we did a lot of iterations in terms of, um, you know, the fruit to vegetable ratio. And we hit this one that was just super tasty and fruity and delightful, but it was the reverse ratio. So it was three servings of fruit and one serving of vegetable. And I really felt like I wanted something that um, – was more versatile and more nutrient focused. So um, it's really designed to be super low in sugar. So if you want to add, um, it's really good with frozen strawberries and frozen banana. Um, I've also made it with frozen banana and cocoa powder. Um, and my kids just thought that was like the best thing in the world. So you can, it's low enough in sugar because it's, it's just has some like tart, you know, low sugar fruit in it for that one serving of fruit um, that you can, mix it in a smoothie and sort of put your own flavors on top of it. Um, I think it's 
fine. Like I drink it straight and I, and I like it, but it's not like I'm going like, Oh, you know what I could really go for right now? (laughs) The same way I want a cookie. It's not, it's not like that. Um, but it's been really fun. You know, it's, people are really impressed with how easily it stirs into water. Um, cause you really can just like stir it with a spoon and it just, you know, stirs into water. Um, and uh, and just how you know like portable and, and simple it is. So it's been it's been really fun. So if you're listening and you're like, I would love an easy way to eat more vegetables and and get some collagen into my diet. It's called Dr. Sarah Ballantyne's Collagen Veggie Blend from Vital Proteins. I would say that um, I was really worried about the taste. I actually saw a video of you on like probably an Instagram story or something gulping down it just stirred into water and I was like that's one of those things that Sarah does that I'm not gonna do (laughs) (laughs) um and I'll be really honest with people having a having a um slightly more normal palate than someone who likes lettuce raw um I won't say normal having having a a slightly more common mainstream should we call it mainstream okay there we go um the blend itself if you do it with a banana, which is what I did, I didn't put cocoa powder in mine, but we did do it with um, with a blended uh, frozen banana. Um, just a half of one is all I needed to get it sweet enough um, to, I don't want to say cover the vegetable flavor because it's actually not that strong, but there's a little bit of a bitter end to it. Like yeah. just as you're finishing the swallow, you'll taste a little bit of bitter. And it so has quite a lot of kale in it, which yeah, I think is where I thought it was kale or broccoli. Like that's, I thought I could yeah. taste that it was a cruciferous kind of fibrous. It, well, it has, it has both, yeah. um, but it's not that much broccoli. It's quite a bit more kale per glass. So to me, the half a frozen banana in a very large smoothie um, cut it, which means that's one more serving of fruit. So I'm getting three vegetables and two fruits. Um, and then there's the collagen protein powder. Um, and that to me is way more than I would normally get out of a breakfast. Um, so I was really happy with it. I, I tried, I'll be honest, I've been um, really stressed lately. And so I thought it would be a good time to give up coffee because I was like, I should probably just oh. not tap out my adrenals that's, and my that's cortisol. He- that's heroic right there. Well, it, it is the hardest time to give up a vice when you're really stressed, even though that's when it's absolutely the most important. I know. And so I know that enough to know that I needed to give it a go. And I was like, I'm going to do this green smoothie thing in the mornings instead. That's going to be so much healthier for me. Even if I make this one change right now, while I'm super stressed, like that's going to be huge. And I did it. Um, but I did have a cup of decaf at like 1 PM because I just thought I might die. <laughs> I just was like, <laughs> I'm trying so hard. I mean, I, I have to say, I don't think it matters what the ingredients are of a green smoothie. It is not the same thing as a cup of coffee. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's just, it does. It hits but a completely different button. <laughs> I will say that if I can do it, you can do it. So listeners, I challenge you. Let's do it together. Don't make me suffer alone. Yeah, I um so I was filming last week with Mickey and Angie of Autoimmune Wellness um on a, on a we're doing a collaborative uh practitioner training program called AIP certified coach that's going to be releasing late summer. Um and actually if any and our listeners are practitioners, you have a license to work one-on-one with clients and you're interested in learning more, um sign up for my mailing list. You can sign up at thepaleomom.com forward slash email dash sign up um, and then fill out the preferences and mark that you're a healthcare professional because I'll be sending out more information once we have a firm launch date and everything set up in the system so that people can actually go sign up. It's going to be very limited um, availability. Um, But uh, one of the things that I did was I like brought them collagen veggie blend because, you know, we were so we were just we were all so exhausted. They were such long filming days and, and filming I find very draining and and so do they. So it was just like, we just needed nutrition and it needed to be simple. We didn't want, nobody wanted to cook. And, uh, and I was like, okay guys, like, do you want to try this straight? And, um, they, they were like, all right, this is not what I would normally drink, Sarah. I'm like, just fine. Like, just try it and just, and they both were like, 
drank a whole glass and they were like, yeah, like this is fine. It's like, it's totally, you know, like Angie was like, yeah, I would totally just sip at this at my desk or whatever. Like, you know, it's, I don't, neither one of them felt the need necessarily to add anything to it. And, um, I think, you know, different people, depending on their palates are going to like half a banana is, I think a fairly minimal amount of stuff to add or, you know, a handful of frozen strawberries. Um, I think other people are going to want to like make their own smoothie and use this as a way to supplement it. So all the normal smoothie ingredients, and then maybe just put in, um, like half a serving instead of a full serving and stretch the, the container that way. But, um, I, I, I really, um, am enjoying seeing people appreciate the ease of getting, you know, organic, high quality vegetables and, um, you know, really high value fruit into their diet with this. And it's been, it's been really fun. It's been really fun to watch. So, and it's, it's so nerve wracking. It feels very much like releasing a book, right? Like you're waiting to see if people like it. It's got that same sort of like, Oh, I put a lot of work into this. I hope everyone likes it. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. Well, the only other thing I would add is that I drink those green juices from like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. And I know one of the other comments that I heard from people was that it was pretty expensive. And if it's a meal replacement and you should understand that it's a huge canister. Do you know how many servings there are in the canister, Sarah? 15. Really? That's it? Yeah. So a serving is actually two scoops. Um, and so there's 15 servings in a canister. I actually did a whole breakdown because, you know, like vital proteins at the price. And I was like, Oh, all right. And I was trying to think about, well, how much fresh stuff is in this? Um, and so I ended up like getting them to like, okay, can you give me like, you know, it's all, uh, infrared dried USDA organic fruits and vegetables. I was like, okay, so like, what's the, what's the fresh equivalent of, you know, all of these, like what, what does this actually add up to? And I'm like looking through my notebook to see if I could like quickly like land on my notes of exactly what it is, because that would have been super impressive to just be like rattling off all those numbers. But clearly that's not going to happen because I'm still, Oh, here it is. Ha <laughs> Wasn't that bad. Um, so in that tub is the equivalent of one of these small, um, uh, blue top tubs, blue tubs of collagen peptides. So about 30 scoops of collagen peptides. And then there's the equivalent of 22 and a half cups of fresh spinach, five and a half cups of fresh kale, seven and a half medium carrots, a cup of broccoli, three cups of blueberries, three cups of blackberries, three cups of strawberries, uh, one lemon, one cup of raspberries, two third cups of acerola cherries, which is um, a superfood. It's one of like the top food sources of vitamin C and a third of a cup of cranberries. And I actually had one of my team members, um, I was like, oh, when you next time you're at the grocery store, can you just like go like write down like how much it would cost if you were to just buy all that stuff fresh and like make your own. And um, just like assuming you could buy everything in bulk and buy exactly what you need and you didn't have to buy more cause you were buying, you know, a, a full pound of something. Um, it worked up to it worked out to almost fifty dollars in in the equivalent of the fresh fruits and vegetables plus I think the um, small canisters of vital proteins are twenty five so it actually the difference in price is um, not much if you you know are wanting to make your own with that kind of diverse diversity of, of fruits and vegetables and and care whether or not you're eating organic so that was one of those like moments where I was like I went from oh vital proteins that seems like really expensive to wow, vital proteins are like, are you sure there's enough margin here? I don't want to bankrupt you. <laughs> like it literally, my, 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 my perspective on, on the, the price of the canister changed that quickly after I did that math. Yeah. And I know for me, like, so once you told me there's 15 servings that obviously changed what my estimate was, but I know like I'll buy, I'll buy those green juices when I really need a pick me up and they're about $5 for fresh green juices that um, have limited 
uh, sweet veg, uh, sweet fruit in them. Yeah. Like, and the that's lemon. about the same. And yeah. that's about the same price as one serving of collagen veggie blend. Exactly. And so I just did the math and that. So if there's 15 times five, it would have been $75. There's no collagen in them. And I have to go to the store and get it. It's not like I can just keep it in my cabinet and make it myself. So, but if that doesn't work for you, we like are not a pressure. <laughs> no, pressure. no. I mean, I was I want super to... excited to have it myself this morning and was like, and then Matt handed me the smoothie and it's in a clear container and I'm looking at the color and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, <laughs> I know. He's it's like, not I a pretty color. It. He's like, I tasted it. I added a banana for you. You'll be fine. <laughs> and I was. Oh, Matt. Um, yeah. So I, I want to just sort of highlight what you said is like, I know we're talking about this new product and it's, probably a little bit more markety of a, of an opener to our show than we normally do. But I mostly just want to communicate for people what this is. And if they think it's a good fit for them, encourage them to go try it. I, I never in anything that I want to do want to be like salesy. I never want somebody to invest in a, a, a book that I write or, or, a, you know, product that I collaborate on. Um, or even something of somebody else's that I'm promoting, I never want somebody to invest in something that's not going to be a, a wonderful resource, a super, super useful tool for them. So um, it's just more about the opportunity to kind of communicate what this actually is for people so that if it does sound like a good thing and it sounds like a worthwhile investment because it is, you know, $79 for a tub, um, then awesome. And if it's not, sorry, you just had to listen to all that. And also, we did tell you that you have an opportunity for discounts. But you know what else is great about uh, Vital Proteins in general? How allergen-friendly they are. I was going to say everything. Yeah. Um, See what I did there? That's true. You did do that. Um, I also – they really have a, like, whole food-based – like, it's whole food-based supplements, so it's really, like – they're really about making things that are hard for us to get sufficient in sort of an even a even a normal paleo diet. They're really about making those nutrients accessible, like their encapsulated liver pills from grass-fed beef. Like it's it's very much about um, finding nutrients and whole food sources of nutrients that are super health promoting that are not necessarily the easiest things for us to get and making it easy. And I, I super appreciate it. They've actually, they've been so spectacular to work with. It's been like, this is the first time I've ever put my name on a product before. And it's not for lack of opportunity. It's just been like, this is the time when it was like the really obvious, perfect collaboration. And they've just been amazing to work with. I feel really blessed to have been able to, to collaborate with them on this. So I was so smooth with my transition to our topic, but you actually missed it. I'll say it again. You know what else Vital Proteins is really good at? Being allergy friendly. Ah, You did. You totally, you totally, you totally did that. And I totally (laughs) missed it. I was so good. Oh, all right. I'm going to catch the ball on the second throw and be like, wow, that's a great segue for our topic today on food allergies. Thanks. The pass the second time. Do I pass? Okay, I got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, a little slow in the uptake, but you got there. Uh, sorry. Uh, I am still feeling a little run down from just how busy I was last week. That was a pretty intense – it was a very intense – there's a reason why I'm not like a film actress besides all the other like talent reasons. Um, it's, it's, it's exhausting. Um, yeah, so we actually have a really interesting um, question um, – today that, um, that I thought would, I, you know, I thought it's been a while since we've really tackled a kid's health topic in detail. And when I read this question, I was like, you know, I don't think we've ever really covered this on our podcast. And it just felt like a really great launching point for some really interesting conversation on, um, kids allergies. And, and I think a little bit sort of the dichotomy between, um, paleo philosophy on 
um, the sort of eliminated foods and advice from pediatricians and allergists and and some of the indications that's coming out of some of the more recent research studies on food allergies. I am so ready. All right. I will read this question. First of all, I love you guys. I look forward to every Friday when your podcasts go live and I'm always sad when the podcast is over and I have to wait another week to listen in. Longest wait ever. I feel like you are my paleo buddies who will geek out over science and nutrition with me. Thank you for all the support you give me and countless others. Now you see why I'm reading this question, of course. Uh, obviously. We've, right? People are finally getting it. <laughs> my question is for my baby daughter who turned one yesterday. Today we had her 12-month checkup with a pediatrician who has a standard American medical practice, and the pediatrician was more than a little, little hesitant to put her stamp of approval on my daughter's diet. Besides transitioning to formula around six months, my daughter has only had paleo-compliant foods via baby-led weaning. Her meals consist of grass-fed meats, wild seafood, pastured eggs, all the fruits and veggies, healthy doses of healthy fats like extra virgin olive oil, avocado, ghee, coconut milk, almond milks, and flowers, etc. My pediatrician advised me that I needed to introduce cow's milk, grains, including gluten grains, and legumes, including peanuts, into my daughter's diet as soon as possible to avoid creating possible food allergies. Her reasoning behind this advice is the new study, not sure the source, that has recently released um, about introducing kids to peanuts early to avoid severe peanut allergies later. My question is, do I need to do this? I thought one was born with food allergies and cannot be created from abstaining from certain food. Also, what are the nutritional benefits, if any, in giving my daughter these foods that could have potential inflammatory reactions? My doctor seemed to be mostly concerned with calcium, iron, vitamin D, and B12. Both my husband and I are gluten and dairy intolerant, so I can assume our offspring will be too at some point in her life. If you could address the issue of food allergies in young children and whether we can create or prevent certain allergies by introducing or abstaining from certain foods at a certain age, I'd greatly appreciate it. Love to hear your thoughts on the recent peanut allergy study too. Lots of love again. So I'd heard of this study and I'm sure you found it and will tell us about the science, but I remember when people brought it up to me, they were like, what do you think about this? And, you know, my, my thought was, um, probably more has to do with how the food has been changed over time, similar to the studies that have been um, further done on wheat that, you know, the ancient grains are easier for some people to digest because our bodies knew them longer, so to speak, than some of the ones that have been uh, more recently modified that our bodies haven't come to um, consume yet. And so for me, there's kind of a two pronged situation, which is that on one side, um, you can say that abstaining from something um, will not allow the body to build up this um, intolerance to it. And then on the other side, which I feel like is more in line with my own personal beliefs, um, is that the reason that we're abstaining from certain foods are because we want good gut health and we want our gut to be um, healthy enough so that if and when we are exposed to foods, that it has a stronger chance of fighting it. So to the extent that there were peanut allergies in your family going back and it was hereditary or genetic, I think I would definitely approach it differently than, um, you know, doing research and all this kind of stuff that I'm sure Sarah's going to talk about from the perspective of just a general person living their life and wondering, because I've heard the same question about wheat. I've heard this question about dairy. Um, and for me, it's all about building up good gut health. And I can tell you that Wesley is the only child that we have that's been paleo from birth. Even his breast milk was paleo. And um, of course, he's been exposed to a number of gluten-free things. He's had gluten at least three times that I know of. And he by far reacts none to almost none to anything like that, except sugar. He, he's he's like a sugar monster. Um but his body, his gut is clearly much more healthy. And I attribute that to the fact that 
he always had a health, like healthy gut immune system. Now he was, I had a cesarean and antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. So all, all of that, that goes into the concept of good gut health, there's, there's more than just food. And I get that, but I do want to say that I think that there's this concept that I hope people are, are considering about, you know, hereditary, um, allergies, i.e. what you're born with, or i.e. you know what runs in your family, as opposed to what you may become intolerant to over time. And for example, my mom, as we've talked about, carries an EpiPen because she's anaphylactic to wheat, but she used to eat Wonder Bread when she was a kid. So um, that's a true allergy that developed later in life. <laughs> Did I just open Pandora's box? I'm sorry. That's okay. No, um, I'm trying to figure out where to jump in. Sorry. Where to where to where to jump in? Because you said a lot of the things that I sort of wanted to to touch on. Um, but I'm going to so I'm trying to like not necessarily just reiterate what you said, but also expand on the detail. So um, there's this um, phenomenon called immune tolerance, um, and that's what we're talking about when we're talking about um, introducing these top allergen foods early enough in life. It's about um, not avoiding developing an immune reaction to these foods, but developing immune tolerance to these foods. So what that means is that you, if your body does see these foods as, as you know, antigens, as something to attack, that the immune system regulates that reaction. So the immune system can sort of broadly be separated into uh, effector actions. So the part of the immune systems that actually do the attacking, do the detecting, um, decide that something is foreign and needs to be attacked. And then these regulatory aspects of the immune system, that's part of the immune system that keeps the entire system in check, that turns off inflammation and adaptive immunity when the job is done, you know, when the virus is vanquished. Um, and it's the regulatory aspect of the immune system that is what creates immune tolerance. So what happens in, say, um, you, know, you know, it's immune tolerance to peanuts, uh, is the idea is you're introducing it at, at a time early enough, um, the body will form uh, an immune reaction against the peanut. So you'll, you'll develop antibodies that are against, you know, a protein in peanuts. And then the immune system will basically decide not to react, even though you're having peanuts, by increasing their sort of regulatory actions on those cells that are responsible for recognizing that you just ate peanuts and having a reaction. So um, regulatory, they're called regulatory T cells. Um, they can suppress um, the, the cells that are responsible for the reaction, which are the B cells. They can suppress them in a variety of different ways. And when they do that and they, they restrain the system below the, a level where you have symptoms, that's called immune tolerance. And there's this really interesting body of scientific literature looking at development of immune tolerance to wheat, dairy, peanuts, G generally it's those three, but tree nuts as well can be in there. And over the last few years, there's been an increasing number of studies showing that um, introducing these high allergen foods earlier in life increases the probability of immune tolerance. So, you know, this most recent study, they had... Um, Infants that were determined to be high risk, so peanut allergies in the family, and um, they had a group of them who just, you know, was peanut avoidance, and then they had a group of them that was, they had to eat a certain amount of peanut protein per week between 4 and 11 months old. Um, and then they looked to see um, whether or not these um kids had peanut allergies at five years old. And they found that the early introduction of peanut protein, that those kids had immune tolerance to peanuts. So effectively what that meant is non-detectable uh, signals of, of allergy. So you do, you know, you do an allergy test and you can't detect it because the immune system is restraining that reaction. Um, 
And, you know, that that's academically, I find that very interesting. Um, and I, I think that we're sort of at a point now where um, these studies are not sufficient to rationalize going out and shoving all these high allergen foods into your baby's mouth at a young age. But it's definitely thought provoking. And I think, you know, we talked about this with Terry um, in our last show about, um, you know, not dismissing science just because it doesn't conform to our set of beliefs, but it does give up, give us an opportunity to think more deeply about a topic um, and maybe, maybe ask some, some more probing questions. Um, and so what's really interesting to me is what happens with these studies is they shift the time of food introduction to typically a higher percentage of people of babies are not weaned yet. Um, and actually there was, um, a study that I reviewed on the website, um, a couple years ago, two years ago, maybe that was sort of a similar study, um, looking at, uh, gluten tolerance and, um, look, they showed that earlier introduction of, of gluten and they had one cohort that was introduced it earlier and another cohort that was introduced it later. And the babies who were introduced it earlier, had um, a much higher rate of tolerance, so much lower rate of, you know, celiac disease or in gluten allergy. And, um, but you, when you look at when you look into the data, you see that the kids who were introduced earlier, there was a much higher percentage of those that were still being breastfed, and that's relevant because we know that breastfeeding period reduces the incidence of allergies. It strengthens the immune system. It supports a healthy gut microbiome. And um, we also know, period, that um, a healthy gut microbiome can um, mediate allergic reactions so it, and can mediate the immune system in general. So my thoughts on this, and I don't think that this is very well answered in the literature, but um, I'm not the only person who follows this train of thought when they read these, these studies is that the effect isn't necessarily introducing these foods at an early age, that there's a gut health effect and um, a um, breastfeeding effect and, and how breastfeeding strengthens the immune system generally. And um, I haven't yet seen a study that has been able to sort of separate out that sort of confounding factor and really look at uh, immune tolerance independently of uh, age of weaning. So I think that's a really, really important thing to consider in this entire piece. Um, does that mean that there's no rationale for maybe, you know, introducing our babies to a little bit of gluten or a little bit of dairy to hopefully improve their chances of immune tolerance. Like I really don't think that there's a really cut and dry answer here. I don't think the studies support um, the pediatrician's assertion that, you know, all babies should be fed these high allergen foods as soon as possible. But I also don't think they support the opposite of that, of, you know, avoidance is somehow going to, to protect them. I think the the bigger effects here are probably related to supporting a healthy, you know, gut microbiome and uh, nutrient sufficiency, which is a really, really important factor for immune function, especially immune regulation. So really important nutrients that are helping the immune system do these regulatory actions are things like vitamin A, especially retinoic acid, which you would be getting from uh, seafood, from pastured eggs, from grass-fed meats, but especially organ meat. Um, vitamin D, which again sort of comes from those same foods, but also spending time outside. Um, and zinc being really, really important for immune regulation. Um, and zinc coming predominantly from seafood and some nuts and seeds. Um, so you know, from that perspective, I, I don't think there's a really strong argument necessarily is either way. We are not – there's certain ways that we can react to foods that we are born with and then – but allergies, uh, we are born with a susceptibility but not with the allergy itself. So that allergy develops upon exposure. Um, so we can't 
be allergic to something without ever having it, we can just be susceptible to developing that allergy. And, and that is inheritable. Um, but when it comes to like this big part of this question, are nutritional benefits to any of these foods? Like, no. I mean, and that's, I think, the big piece of this whole conversation that often gets left out. There is no um, – so grains and dairy and legumes and peanuts, they are not unique sources of any nutrient. Um, and there's there's no nutrient in those foods that we can't get more, better, more concentrated, more synergistic with other nutrients from exactly the foods that this family is feeding their daughter. Um, I would hope that they, you know, I would encourage them to look at adding some organ meat to that that list, you know, some chicken liver or something like that. Um, but when you look at the, when you look at sort of new, from a nutrient density perspective, grains are incredibly weak. Um, they really are only have a couple of minerals and um, all minerals that are easy to get from vegetables um, and seafood and meat. And um, fiber is the same as vegetable fiber, except that vegetable fiber seems to promote a healthier gut microbiome than grain-based fiber and uh, a fraction of the amount of sugar. So, like, there's no argument for why, like, grains should ever be on a plate when a vegetable could be on a plate. Um, and, you know, dairy has some compelling nutrition. So it does have some bone health minerals. It does have vitamin A and vitamin D. The case against dairy is not as strong as the case against grains. Um, I think that, you know, there's it, – it's a little bit more of a gray area in terms of um, terms of paleo. Um, but if there's strong dairy allergies in the family, then that means there's a higher chance of allergy. And I, I certainly – you know, I have one kid who's fine with dairy, one kid who's extremely sensitive – um, and so we're a dairy-free household. Like my other kid, my kid who's fine with dairy almost never gets it because it's just too much of a hassle to have it in the house. Um, peanuts are an incredibly inflammatory food. Um, and there's nothing in peanuts that you can't get anywhere else. Um, some legumes, I mean, legumes are sort of a spectrum. So, you know, soy and peanuts are, and, and I maybe put kidney beans in that category are, are very inflammatory. Um, other legumes like, you know, lentils maybe or, or black beans, if they're properly prepared, if they're soaked for a very long period of time and they're cooked for a very long period of time, I actually think that um, the arguments against legumes start to fall apart w with those legumes that have um, uh, lectins that are more easily deactivated by heat and, and proper preparation. So, you know, trying – Playing with some lentils, I think, is is not a horrible idea within the the paleo framework. Um, but you know, if <laughs> the doctor's worried about calcium, you know, there's calcium in seafood, in meats, in uh, especially dark green vegetables. Um, there's and nuts and seeds are great sources of calcium. There's calcium in citrus food, iron. I think that's silly. If if this kid's eating grass fed meat. Um, and egg yolks and, and seafood and <laughs> iron and, and B12 are both very, very rich in those foods. Um, and vitamin D, I don't understand. I guess they're thinking of it's enriched in milk though. It's not even natural to milk. So getting vitamin D from supplements. And if you're really worried about vitamin D, that's an easy one to do a blood test for, um, and then, and then supplement. Um, so so I would say <clears throat> I, one of the things that I remember from when my kids were really small and people were, you know, talking about these uh, things that needed to be added, um, whether or not, because all of my kids were um, baby led weaning. And so Cole didn't even eat solids till he was nine, 10 months old. He only ate bananas and avocados at nine months. And then at 10, he started getting more food um, and chicken liver. Um, so for Wesley, though, I remember having these conversations. And when I would explain like, okay, well, we're giving him green vegetables and all this stuff, I would always reiterate, but he's still being breastfed for the majority of his nutrition. He's only 
choosing to eat these things pretty much, you know, by little handfuls as we all eat family dinner. It's not like it's making up the majority of his nutrition. And what I ended up learning over time, especially being through the Leche League, and I know that this particular child is on formula, but for the people who are breastfeeding, it's important to know that the nutrition and the way that it's absorbed in a child is very different from if you switch to formula to when you switch to um or if you stay with breast milk. And the reason for that is simply the same reason that, you know, a whole food source is a better nutrient source than adding a supplement um, or adding it to food. It's the same concept that we use with paleo. And so in breast milk, there's um, a lot of doctors that will tell you that you need to supplement with iron fortified cereal because there isn't enough iron in your breast milk to substantiate for a six plus month old baby. But if you actually look at the studies and the test results of breastfed children, they don't have iron deficiencies if they're still breastfed because the amount of iron is more easily absorbed, so they need less of it. And these kinds of concepts, you can either choose to have that conversation with your doctor or you can choose to just nod and say, okay, thank you. Um, I always had the kind of relationship with my doctors where I was honest about what I was doing so that I felt like I could tell them what I was doing and they could tell me if I was, you know, completely crazy or just a little bit off my rocker. But um, I do think that it's important to understand, like, what your child is getting nutritionally as a whole to think about um, that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like... Yeah. And I, I mean, I also have a very open relationship with my pediatrician who is still a standard American medical practice pediatrician. Um, but we, you know, we'll talk and I, I, I'm a, my brain's a, I can quote numbers really well. I remember numbers. So I can come at her and say like, well, you know, if we're going to talk about 300 milligram equivalents of calcium, you know, and I can say, well, then we're looking at a, you know, you know, can of sardines is like one and a half, you know, milk servings and my kid loves sardines and we can, I can have this like really detailed conversation. But, um, you know, it started like the question now is like, how many servings of, you know, fruits and vegetables does your kid eat a day? I was like, well, nine, I guess most days, sometimes 10, <laughs> you know, and like, they kind of look at me like, what? And I was like, you know, my kids eat this diet that is, um, so amazingly healthy, especially when you compare it to many of their peers. And it's become almost this like, yeah, yeah. And like, I know, I know you're on this. Like it's, um, having that conversation has really, and, and having it, you know, it, the first few times it wasn't as easy. Um, but uh, but now it's it has become really easy and and it was worth putting in more time into having that conversation early on and being able to say, well, I know, you know, you're worried about it was you know calcium was was the big one um, that my doctor was worried about and vitamin D. And here's where my kid's getting it. And, you know, we have we turned out um, my entire family um has had vitamin D deficiency and we all have to supplement with vitamin D and that there's probably something genetic happening in there. Um, and you know, the fact that I'm like, well, let's test for that. And, Oh, Hey, it's low. Let's do a supplement. Can we please retest? I want to make sure that we're not overshooting the mark. I want to make sure we're getting up into that range that, you know, being willing to engage in that also I think has really earned my pediatrician's respect. And, um, it means that now with a, you know, a 10 and a seven year old, um, that we can have, you know, really in-depth conversations about a lot of issues and really strike that balance between, you know, taking the best of conventional medicine, avoiding the things that are, you know, not the best parts of conventional medicine and also embracing, you know, the power of a, you know, really nutrient focused diet and a focus on, you know, healthy lifestyle factors and, all of those things kind of come together in a really wonderful way. So it's, it's definitely worth, I mean, every person's relationship with their pediatricians is different. Um, but your pediatrician cannot actually enforce. Uh, right. They're not going to come to your choices. home and make you do anything. But if you don't feel comfortable with the practitioner, that's that it, you know, is serving your kids. I know everybody has different kinds of uh, restrictions depending on, you know, what kind of, um, 
insurance they have or um, if you're in the military and all that kind of stuff. But I would say that, you know, if you're not comfortable and you have the opportunity, there's no reason to not try to find somebody. I I know um, somebody said to me once, like, you are paying a service and you are a customer at a medical office. And so if you're not getting the customer service that you want for the money that you're spending, there's no reason not to look elsewhere, just like you would if you were going to a restaurant. Um, and I think with that kind of perspective, you know, it enables you to find someone like Sarah and I have where they're not necessarily outside standard American practices, but they are <laughs> reasonably reasonably intelligent people who we can have a conversation about and say, yeah, it might be a legitimate concern that my kids aren't eating a lot of processed foods, which is where a lot of nutrient additives get added you know, we're adding vegetables to their scrambled eggs in the morning. They're having a salad two or three days a week at lunchtime. And then they're having, you know, four to five servings of vegetables at dinner time. Do you think that's enough? Or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and so I, I just think that's important. But I think we're digressing. And, and I think there's enough of a show topic for us to maybe have a follow on just about foods. I think the original question about allergy is kind of snowballed um, into, <laughs> That's true. into food in general. So um, was there anything else you wanted to add about allergies? Um, I think I mostly just wanted to add this like general parenting note that um, I, it has certainly been my experience as a mother that there's a lot of doubt and a lot of uh, guilt and a lot of um, – you know, it's, I, I just want to be perfect. I want to do everything right for my kids. I want them to grow up happy and healthy and be, you know, super successful, amazing adults. And, um, half of the time I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but I think it's also, so it's, I think it's kind of important to sort of, I want to just honor the fact that this question comes from a really amazing caring place and, um, thinking about these things and caring about it. And yes, maybe feeling conflicted. Um, that's all, you know, the rite of passage of parenthood and, um, being in that place is, you know, definitely an indication that you're, you know, you're doing things right. And, you know, that doesn't mean we're, we don't all make mistakes sometimes, but, um, I just want to say like, you know, awesome job. Like, it's I, I really like that um, this person is um, thinking about things in this at this level of detail and remember that really we we don't know for a few decades how good of parents we actually are. It's fine. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, I, I've said this before. My mom raised me as a vegetarian um, because she genuinely thought that that was the right thing to do in the 80s and early 90s. And um, it, it wasn't until vegetarianism had been around a long time before the serious uh, effects of nutrient deficiencies and that kind of stuff became something a little more mainstream. Um, but nevertheless, like, I she feels so badly because we ate so much gluten and soy. Um, being vegetarian, we, we did a lot of, you know, the boxed preparation type vegetable, instead of being a lot of fresh vegetables, it was a lot of, you know, processed foods. And so, um, she thinks that maybe that's the reason that we have some of the health problems that we have. If we're prone to having gluten intolerance or celiac disease, then did, did we exacerbate it? And I think that's kind of a question, uh, connected with the whole allergies topic that we're having, but also like, Hey, mom, you like you thought you were doing good. I I genuinely do not hold it against you. Like there are so many other things I do totally hold against you. <laughs> trying <laughs> trying to make a decision in the best interest of our family's health. Like you genuinely thought that you were doing the right thing. I cannot fault her for that at all. And I I hope that that's how my kids see it. I know sometimes they get frustrated that they're different or, you know, um Fortunately, they now it's more allergy awareness, right? There's a peanut free table. Um, there's no tree nuts in the classroom. There's kids with egg allergies, different things like that. So they, they don't feel as weird as um, maybe it would have been 20 years ago. Um, but I still I, I feel badly that, you know, I'm 
putting this upon them and are they going to dislike me later and is it going to come out that it's all wrong and I'm like you know what the only thing we can do as parents is get educated and make the best decisions that we can and I think you know if you're making decisions in a vacuum and you're not researching them that's an entirely different topic. But if you're listening to this podcast, this is a form of research for you, right? And and I know that everybody um, does the best that they can for their children and just try to focus on that. You know, you, you, you never know what is the right decision. You can only just do your best. So I think that wraps that one up with a nice little bow. I think we sparkle paper. Womp womp. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll be back next week. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Hello. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Switch it to the headset and lose the sound. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I could hear you the whole time. Oh, all right. (laughs) I did this like really cool. You said hello and I said, can you hear me? And I was so proud of coming up with a hello that wasn't just like, and it was ruined. I'm sorry. It was ruined by my computer deciding that it forgot a headset i had to tell it that the headset was a thing but we were gonna have really bad sound for this whole podcast if i didn't fix that so yeah we were all right you ready huh i want to stop crinkling these papers oh the, i wish i had something to make huge noise now <laughs> now let's make noise no i am squishing things with a clothespin can you hear it no that's a terrible analogy. No, I or, literally have a clothespin, and I was. Can you hear me? I'm opening it and closing it. No, I could not. Because it's not a really loud thing to do. Exactly. Unlike <laughs> crinkling papers and opening boxes. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.